Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Did I not know that when you carried the Turkish flag on every national celebration day, you had to hold your right hand above your left hand? Did I not know that God the Almighty had placed two angels on the shoulders of each human being, two diligent scribes whose sole aim was to note down our every move and our every thought? The angel on the left shoulder kept a list of all of our sins, including our darkest wishes, while the angel perched on the right shoulder recorded our virtues and honorable deeds. Wasn't it clear that by choosing the left hand to write, I was associating myself with the wrong angel, siding with sin? So today I want to talk about the word left-handed, but instead of talking about it, I want to read about it. And I want to read from this little book, How to Stay Sane in an Age of Division. The section that I will be reading is for left-handed kids. The year I started primary school in Turkey, I had difficulty learning how to write. Part of the reason might have been due to my own introversion and my inability to adapt quickly to the new environment. But a larger part was because I was left-handed. Back then, left-handedness was socially and culturally considered to be a problem that could nevertheless be fixed with rigorous attention and discipline. Unfortunately, among those who shared this view was my classroom teacher. Every day, she would remind me with a disappointed smile that was worse than if she had simply yelled at me to please stop using my bad hand and switch to my good hand. There was another student who seemed to be in the same boat as I was, and for a while we shared a sense of camaraderie, but somehow he managed to make the transition in the space of no more than a few weeks, whereas I couldn't. If anything, I felt paralyzed. Meanwhile, with every incentive she could think of, the classroom teacher goaded me to correct my behavior. She promised me rewards, and when that didn't help, she resorted to patriotism and civic responsibility, and then to religion. Did I not know that when you carried the Turkish flag on every national celebration day, you had to hold your right hand above your left hand? Did I not know that God the Almighty had placed two angels on the shoulders of each human being, two diligent scribes whose sole aim was to note down our every move and our every thought? The angel on the left shoulder kept a list of all of our sins, including our darkest wishes, while the angel perched on the right shoulder recorded our virtues and honorable deeds. Wasn't it clear that by choosing the left hand to write, I was associating myself with the wrong angel, siding with sin? I was an early reader. As an only child, a lonely child, I was immensely curious about books and the mysteries they held. And at home, with a bit of help from my grandma, 
I had been quietly picking up the patterns of language, deciphering their codes. But now at school, holding a pencil, jotting down words into a notebook, had become pure torment. If memory serves, in a classroom of about 45 kids, I must have been one of the last, if not the last, to learn how to write and earn the red velvet ribbon that the teacher would pin on the chest of every victorious student. I might never have developed the skill were it not for a singular letter in the Turkish alphabet. That letter was called the soft G, a G with a little squiggle on top. Always it had to be preceded by a vowel, and even though it sometimes lengthened the sound of the vowel, it did not have a voice of its own. Every other letter in the alphabet made a distinctive sound, expressed itself loud and clear, except this particular letter. The soft G, as we call in Turkish, did not talk. It did not complain. It did not articulate opinions or demand anything. With its puzzling silence and slightly distracted manners, it immediately stood out amid the gushing, garrulous letters. It must be a foreigner, I thought, an outsider, an alphabetical outcast. No word in my mother tongue started with it, which I found rather unfair. It was almost as if it was invisible. If you encountered the soft G in the middle of a word, you were supposed to pretend not to have seen it, just move on and gently skip over it. So the soft G remained mute, no matter what the text or context. Yet the more attention I paid to this mystifying letter, the more I came to believe that it was trying to tell me something. Perhaps it did speak after all, in its own way, but no one was interested in hearing what it was saying. And somehow my seven-year-old brain associated this unwanted, silent letter in the alphabet with my unwanted left hand. They were both unpopular in the classroom. That's how it felt. Maybe they could connect. So in the evenings, I set about practicing drawing out the soft G, first with my left hand, my sinful hand, just for myself, and then with my right hand, my respectable hand, for the school next day. I made up imaginary words that, defying the rules of grammar, began with a silent letter. To this end, I introduced slight changes in existing spellings. So gorilla became horilla, graffiti became graffiti. I then wrote them down, painstakingly, though I remembered to stick to the original spellings in the classroom, and it worked. The teacher was pleased. I was finally making progress. Little by little, the one mute letter in the Turkish alphabet helped me to gain confidence and guided me through the rest of the writing system. In hindsight, I understand it was me who was struggling to belong in school, and I projected this sense of alienation onto an inanimate letter. But the experience, vivid and visceral as it was, taught me an important life lesson. When you feel alone, don't look within. Look out and look beyond for others who feel the same way, for there are always others. And if you can connect with them and with their story, you will be able to see everything in a new light. Still today, as a novelist, I'm only drawn, I'm not only drawn to stories, but also to silences. My first 
instinct as a storyteller is to dig into the periphery rather than the center and focus my attention on the marginalized, the underserved, disenfranchised and censored voices, taboos too, including political, cultural, gender taboos. There's a part of me that wants to understand at any moment in time where in a society the silent letters are hidden. So I shared with you a personal story, but I think whether you're left-handed or right-handed or ambidextrous, it all comes down to accepting, understanding, embracing and celebrating differences, celebrating diversity, you know, accepting who we are as we are and each other and respecting each other, just recognizing each other's dignity. So to me, this is a story that is all about diversity and inclusion and also equality.